The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Got some uh, guests tonight that I've never had on before. The first will be from the New York Times. He is two-time Eclipse Award-winning writer Joe Drape. And Joe has just come out with a new book called American Pharaoh, The Untold Story of the Triple Crown Winner's Legendary Rise. Of course, uh, Joe is an excellent writer. Uh, He's also written several other books on racing, uh, The Race for the Triple Crown. Uh, He won the Eclipse Award for his Black Maestro, The Epic Life of an American Legend. And uh, he also edited to the Swift Classic Triple Crown Horses and their Race for Glory. So certainly... He's the right guy to write the book about American Pharaoh. So he will be joining us uh, after this first segment. And then we're going to talk to uh, a rising star in the business, Gary Palmasano, uh, born in New Orleans, son of longtime Louisiana-based trainer Gary Palmasano Sr., obviously, uh, went to the ULL, and now he is the VIP Player Services Manager for Churchill Downs Racetrack and Twin Spires. What a card they're going to have at Churchill on Saturday. We are talking about the Stephen Foster Handicap. Then on the grass, the Wise Dan. Wise Dan himself will be there. Uh, We've got uh, the Regret and the Matt Wynn. And let's not forget the ladies will see if Untappable can return to her winning ways. She'll go in the grade two Fleur de Lis handicap, but she's got some tough company in there with her. So uh, Gary's down there at Churchill Downs, and so hopefully he will help us break it down, as we like to say. Well, um, Winning Ponies helped you break it down uh, this week for sure using the easy win forms. Um, take a look at uh, some of the uh, outstanding results that we had. As a matter of fact, uh, just today um, at Delaware Park, we had a $1 super that paid $2,505. And uh, yesterday at Finger Lakes, a uh, $1 super key paid $1,995. Going back to uh, some of the big uh, races over the weekend, on uh, Saturday at Los Alamitos, a $1 super key paid $3,690. And then on Sunday at Woodbine, a $1 super, $4,530. If we go out to dinner, you are picking up the check and you can pick up your easy win forms at winningponies.com. Well, big news of the week. 
the Triple Crown is over, and we've had three individual winners. It was Creator getting the job done, running down Destin, and it was... uh, just a race where everybody kind of was left scratching their head for exaggerator. It looked like Kent Sormo had him in a pretty good spot uh, turning for home, and all of a sudden it's just kind of the, the bottom fell out. And Kent said, you know, all of a sudden he, he asked for a horse, and, and it wasn't there. Of course, uh, creator, the name, was uh, thought of by Windstar's Elliot Walden. He had been saving this name for a couple of years with the Jockeys Club, and uh, Bobby Flay, the celebrity chef, bought into Creator earlier in the week. So they were uh, quite happy in the winner's circle. It was the first Belmont Stakes victory for jockey Irad Ortiz Jr. and for a gentleman that's going into the Hall of Fame, Steve Asmussen. Now, despite the fact that Asmussen all week long insisted that Gettysburg, who was in the race, was not entered as a rabbit for Creator. That's that's pretty much how the race played out. Uh, Destin broke sharp and went to challenge for the lead under Javier Castellano, but Gettysburg and Paco Lopez outsprinted that Todd Pletcher trainee to make it to the front. And, of course, Asmussen, after the race, did say, admit, you know, Gettysburg did his job. Now, what's interesting is, is Winstar didn't want to put Todd Pletcher in a jam of putting Gettysburg in as a potential rabbit. So they moved Gettysburg from Pletcher's barn to Asmussen's barn not long before the Belmont. And, of course, uh, Asmussen said, well, that was a great call by Elliot Walden. 48-4 for the half allowed Creator to show who he is. So uh, as, uh, Creator was as much as 21 links off the leaders in the early going. So certainly having a rabbit in there. Uh, didn't hurt. Gettysburg backed up into the path of my pick, Governor Malibu, just as he was making a move, and uh, Joel Rosario had to check sharply. But uh, nonetheless, it was a creator, and it, finishing second, a very game second was De- Destin, and in the third spot was none other than the crazy Lanny. So we had Sons of Tappet finishing first and third in the mile-and-a-half Belmont Stakes, moving him way to the top of the sires list. He had several other um, winners over the week, so Tappet back on top, passing Uncle Mo. And uh, Again, according to um, uh, Kent DeSormo after the race, he... Uh, he said that uh, he just he kind of struggled with with, with, with Belmont surface, and uh, but he's going to stay in New York, according to Keith DeSormo. Uh, even though he finished 14 links behind Creator, he's going to keep him in New York and point him to the races up at Saratoga. So Exaggerator was trying to become the first Derby runner-up since Hall of Famer Nashua in 1955 to win the final two-thirds of the Triple Crown. Believe it or not, only three favorites in the last 20 years have won the Belmont. And, of course, one of those was American Pharaoh. So it looks like Exaggerator is going to stay at Belmont for now and then to head up to Saratoga uh, looking at the uh, Jim Dandy or the Travers. And uh, so that closes out this year's Triple Crown. Here was a surprise to a lot of people. All-time winningest rider Russell Bays retired. 
after uh, he guided Wahine Warrior to a second-place finish in the last race on Sunday's closing day card at Golden Gate. He said, that's it. I'm going to retire. So uh, that ends a Hall of Fame career that began nearly 42 years ago. Uh, Bays, who turns 58 on August 7th, uh, rode Oregon Warrior to his first victory at the defunct Yakima Meadows in Washington back in 74. Russell retires with 12,842 wins, 9,600 second-place finishes, and 7,855 thirds. The horses that he's ridden have won just shy of $200 million. Of course, you may recall back in 2006, he passed Lafitte Pinkai Jr., who had been the sport's leading rider with 9,530 victories. So congratulations to Russell Bays for an outstanding career. Of course, he's the son of Joe Bays, who was a leading rider in Washington and Northern California. Had a pretty much injury-free career until last April when he uh, fractured his collarbone. He has won 54 riding titles at Golden Gate. He's also won 40 riding championships at Bay Meadows before it closed in 2008. He led North American riders in victories 13 times. So uh, congratulations to a great career to Russell Bays, who, of course, is inducted in the National Museum of Hall of Fame and the Canadian Racing Hall of Fame. Well, it looks like uh, California Chrome's back on track. He had a really nice workout this week, five furlong workout and 101 flat on Saturday, and Art Sherman was very pleased. He says he'll probably have another work on this Saturday, and they're going to be uh, pointing him for his return on July 23rd, San Diego. Here's some late-breaking news. His full sister made her debut today. She's a two-year-old filly trained by Doug O'Neill named Our Sunday Surprise. And from what I saw, she kind of jumped up at the start a little bit and reared back and uh, then rushed up uh, to a wall of horses, had to be checked. And uh, then when she finally got clear... In the stretch, the other horses were far in front of her, and she kind of ran green. She had her head cocked, and she was kind of uh, all over the, uh, the the stretch run. So uh, uh, we'll we'll see if uh, she can come back and emulate her big brother. But I'd write this one off to just a green two-year-old race for our Sunday surprise. Well, unhappy news for Run Happy. Looks like he's going to be on the shelf for 60 days. He's been diagnosed with a bone bruise in his right front cannon bone, so at least 60 days off for the speedy Run Happy. Uh, Believe it or not, they're going to try to point him towards some distance races later in the season. Of course, no big surprise here. Irad Ortiz Jr. was named Jockey of the Week after his Belmont Stakes victory, and uh, just what a sensational week that he had led all North American riders with total earnings of $1,916,000. All right, let's take a look at some of the other action from Belmont Park. It was quite a day of graded racing, including the grade one acorn. The winner there, Karina Mia, was last, but kind of close, put an explosive move into the stretch. She lasted over off the tracks, who was at 9-1. to one. And the 4-5 to five favorite, Catherine Sophia. From there, we move forward to some of the other graded action we saw. The grade 1 FIPS stakes went to Cavorting, who went widest. 
and just sped past them all with Florent Giroux in the saddle, forever unbridled in the second spot, and Caramba took the third spot. We did have a new track record in the Jayapur, the grade three, going six furlongs on the turf, final time, 106.76, and who was it that got that final time? It was pure sensation, 18 to 1, took the lead from the outside and never looked back, besting Disco Partner. So uh, the upset of the day, a bit at 7 to 1, Tom's Ready. Tom's Ready, as you know, competed in the Kentucky Derby, ran 12th, was beaten 17 lengths in the Woody Stevens, got the job done from last. Then in the Just a Game, the winner there just missed the course record by one one hundredth of a second. It was Celestine at seven to one. Junior Alvarado in the saddle broke well, rated in second, got the lead and pulled away again, missing the track record by one one hundredth of a second. And what a race uh, in in the Metropolitan Handicap! Frosted, unbelievable. Another son of Tappet just exploded. It coming back from two races in Dubai. Frosted is going to be something to deal with later in the season. Takes the Metropolitan in a stakes record of 132.73, and a lot of great horses have run in the Met Mile. Well, that pretty much wraps up all the main racing that we covered last week. It's time for us to take a break, and we come back, we're going to be with... Joe Drape. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. Here's an individual that I've been reading for years, and I'm finally going to get a chance to talk to him. You probably know who he is. Uh, Joe Drape is his name. He's a reporter for the New York Times who's covered thoroughbred racing for nearly two decades, and he's a two-time winner of the Eclipse Award for outstanding coverage of horse racing. Uh, Black Maestro was the epic life of the American 
American legend, a biography of the great jockey Jimmy Winkfield, the last Afro-American jockey to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he has a, a slew of uh, books out there. He's the author of uh, six books. Um, he has won numerous awards, but I want to get going with this interview because right now, to this audience, he's best known as the author of the new book, American Pharaoh, The Untold Story of the Triple Crown Winner's Legendary Rise. Joe Drake, welcome to Winning Ponies. John, thanks for having me, but now you're making me feel old when you say I've been doing this for nearly two decades. <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, Joe, when, when I go back and, uh, and, and read about your, your career, uh, so many people that I, that I interview uh, start telling me about when they were, you know, riding ponies as a five-year-old or when their uh, cigar-chomping dad or uncle first took them to uh, Yonkers as a young kid. Uh, but you kind of uh, came into this sport a little bit later in life from what I'm reading. Yeah, I did. I mean, I learned it from my father on his occasional trips to either Axerben in Omaha or Hot Springs in Oaklawn. I grew up in Kansas City, so, you know, he taught me how to read the form, took me when I was of age. But really, I started doing it when I was a news reporter, and I would be on far-flung assignments by myself, and I didn't golf, and I didn't antique, so I'd go to racetracks. And by last count, I've gone to over 109 or more countries. Uh, It's sort of my relaxation. I like reading the form. It's like doing the crossword puzzle. I love the people you meet and you you know, chatter with at the track. They're all hopeful optimists all the time. And then, you know, there's the animals themselves. They're, they're beautiful to watch. It's a beautiful sport. And that's how I came to it. And I, I actually owned horses before I started writing about them. So that gave me an insight into how decisions get made and what the economics are involved. So, yeah, I did, I did pick it up late, and I've followed it and loved it ever since. Well, you've certainly got a lot of experience in it, but you've got a lot of experience in your background in journalism, uh, starting as a Knights cop reporter with the Dallas Morning News and then a national correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You didn't come to the New York Times until 1998, right? Well, yeah, and in the, in the old days, you didn't get to the times until you were in your 30s. Now, times have changed all the way around, but yeah, that taught me how to do my job. And, you know, night cops, you got to walk before you run. That's the basics of journalism, police reporting. I put my time in there, and actually, I switched to sports in 96, totally by accident. I had written a book about the Charlotte Hornets while I was a national correspondent stationed there, and then Atlanta got the Olympics, so they needed somebody with a news background who had an affinity for sports, and I grew up just like every other kid, following and playing all sports, and that's when I switched over, and from my work there is how I got to the Times. Well, um, before we get to uh, American Pharaoh, the untold story of the Triple Crown winner's legendary rise, a uh, key word there, Triple Crown winner, of course it had been 37 years, uh, while you're Close to the story, what did you think about this year's Belmont Stakes? You know, this year's Belmont Stakes was an exciting and an entertaining race. Didn't really solve the problem of the three-year-old division. It was uh, an interesting triple crown. There's often, when you do not have a winner, or you have different winners in all three legs, they are interesting. It tells you a lot about the crop. 
This crop, I don't think right now is very accomplished. You have Nyquist, who on paper coming out of the Derby was as good as anybody had seen. I mean, frankly, he was better than American Pharaoh at that point, and he probably was a little better, and again, this is on paper, a little better than Seattle Slough, who also was undefeated through there with a bunch of grade one wins. But, you know, he lacked the wow factor to me, John. He was a smallish colt. Uh, He didn't quite dominate his races. He won by how he had to. You go back and you look at it when he was in his developmental stages. He got sold, bought and sold three separate times. So that tells me, you know, they thought he was a nice horse, but nobody was dying to have the horse. And, you know, that's directly opposed to American Pharaoh. American Pharaoh at three months old was being judged as an extraordinary athlete and perfectly engineered by hardened horse people. And throughout his development, long before he got to Bob Baffert, people who had their hands on him knew he was something special. So, you know, you have that. Exaggerator is a horse I'd love to own, and I think you would too. Tries every time, fires every time, uh, has made nearly $3 million, and has been really a, a superb horse. But he was out of gas by the time he got to Belmont, and that opened it up to a cast that, you know, had shown glimpses of good, good performances on the way create creator the winner had won the arkansas derby and then ran a dud in kentucky uh dustin was the fastest horse in march and that was the problem he was he he kind of peaked in that tampa bay derby so they had to lay him up in the kentucky derby he threw a dud there too uh lanny was the japanese horse who i admired that the fact that they came over here and stayed here and tried all three legs and he got better each leg so you know we've got a, a very good exciting exciting uh triple crown but it doesn't prove anything now we go to the second season where it matters well, we're talking with Joe Drape, the author of the new book, American Pharaoh, The Untold Story of the Triple Crown Winner's Legendary Rise. Uh, Joe, kind of help us with the, uh, with the evolution of this book. It, from what I, I've seen in the expert, excerpts I've read, it reminds me a little bit uh, of uh, Manowar, I'm sorry, not, not Manowar, uh, Seabiscuit, in that a horse brought together an interesting cast of characters from a, uh, a jockey who grew up dirt poor outside of Mexico City to uh, the well-heralded uh, uh, Bob Baffert, a horse that uh, didn't bring his price because of a, an odd accident before the sale, and then the uh, the Egyptian owners, uh, Mr. Zayat and his young and up-and-coming son, Justin. It, it is an interesting group, and I'm wondering how you wove the story together. Well, you know, John, I didn't intend to write a book until I was there on June 6th last year and saw him turn for home and the just soulful quaking of that stadium of Belmont Park was extraordinary. You had everybody rooting for the same thing to happen and it's history to be achieved, achievement. And, you know, that doesn't happen in most sporting events, let alone a horse race, because people were holding tickets against them. And then, you know, I went back, and I've read those books you've talked about, and the, the thing that, to me, has always unified them and made them successful is you've got to treat them like a biography of a horse. You've got to tell how did the horse get to this moment in time and whose lives did he touch and who touched his lives. And, you know, I got lucky. I mean, Bob Baffert's a guy... 
I've talked to for 20 years. I've known a lot about him. And, you know, everybody knows him. He's probably the most well-known figure in horse racing to casual fence. But when you have time to go back and talk to him and really dig in to his story, he's deeply moving. You know, you don't get tired of him. He was a quarter horse trainer by his own admission and by the records. Not a very good one. You know, he's worked hard in the bush tracks. He was a third-rate jockey. He has a chip on his shoulder because he's never been an assistant to a D. Wayne Lucas or a big Jack Vanberg or any of these guys that, you know, had big reputations. He's very proud that he and his dad learned to do it by themselves with hands on horses. And, you know, what happened in 2012, he had a heart attack that nearly killed him in Dubai. He's 62 years old. He's got an 11-year-old son. I've got an 11-year-old son. I can understand that. Uh, he had some troubles off the track. Uh, seven horses died in his care suddenly, and he had to investigate that. So he was at a point in his life where he was trying to figure out who he was and what his legacy was. He was trying to slow down, be a better father. So, you know, that was very moving to me. You had this owner, Ahmed Zayat, who, you know, you he's straight out of Hollywood. I mean, the guy is a Jewish guy who sold and made his fortune selling beer in the Mideast to Muslims, all right? He, at the time, he's having money problems. His, his stable's bankrupt. He owes $34 million. You know, at first, this was just his get-out horse. He thought he'd be able to take him to sale and make a few million out of him and start paying back. And, you know, you alluded to it, this, this misfortune, which was absolutely the luckiest thing that ever happened to him, is his horse bangs his ankle when he goes to the sale in the van on the way up there, and nobody wants to buy him. And then you have Victor Espinosa, and Victor won the first choice, the second choice, or the third choice. He was the fifth choice for that horse. Um, he wanted Mike Smith. Martin Garcia got on him the first time and lost with him. Didn't like him. They didn't get along. Uh, those guys weren't available. Espinosa and Bob had had a falling out for several years. Hadn't been riding them much. They had had some success in 2002 with War Emblem catching two-thirds of the Triple Crown. And Bob was desperate, and he remembered that War Emblem was, in his words, the most vicious horse he's ever had, hated people, and Victor was able to get along with him. So he swallowed his pride, and he called Victor up and said, you know, I got a nice horse in a couple of days. I'd like you to ride. Uh, Victor was stunned by the call showed up. They win by six. He gets off the horse. He says, you know, he's minding his P's and Q's because they're still tense. Says, you know, you've got a nice horse here. I'd be interested in riding him again. And he runs to the parking lot and says, calls his agent, says, man, this is a rocket ship. This is our derby horse. Please don't lose this. So, you know, seven, <laughs> seven races in later, he's in the history book. So, you know, when you get to go back and start talking to people and, uh, and hear how much magic and how much luck is involved, it was incredibly interesting. And then the, the third component, which is the most important that I set up on the top, is American Farrell was an extraordinary athlete. He was balanced. He was perfectly engineered. He did, had a massive vascular system that compared against Secretariat and all the Triple Crown winners. And, you know, in this day and age, they measure this stuff, and there's a database of 200,000 champions that they measure to get. So, you know, all that kind of wove its tail, and it was a fun project. Well, you uh, did a marvelous job from uh, the, the, uh, the 
excerpts that I've read, and I am going to plunk my money down and 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 get the book. But it, it he. It's kind of neat that he was in the right hands, and I can say that firsthand because I got to be around the horse uh, on, on numerous occasions. And it was so great how both the Zayats and Baffert uh, let the public have access to this horse. You've been around thoroughbreds a lot. You know a lot of horses would not have put up with what American Pharaoh did. Absolutely. And, you know, two points, great points you make there, John, is Bob told me repeatedly, if he gets this horse three years ago, he screws it up. If he gets it 10 years ago, he wouldn't know what to do it. He was at the top of his game. He was grounded. He trusted his gut. He knew what he had to do with this horse. And that's one. And that's being in the right hands. And then all hats off to all of them involved. I mean, I went and saw American Pharaoh before the Derby. He's making $200,000 three days, three times a day for 30 seconds of love with mares. I mean, he's an ATM machine. And they didn't have to run him after the triple crowd. And they definitely didn't have to parade him or let everybody come get their picture taken with him. And, you know, the most extraordinary thing they did, and the, the best thing, in my opinion, they did, is they took him to Saratoga when they didn't have to. Uh, Saratoga is like the Louvre, man. That's where it's a knowledgeable, horse-loving, horse-appreciating crowd. It's six months in the summer when everybody who loves the sport is up there. It's high class. And they had just run the Haskell. They only had the Travers, which was just three weeks later. It screwed them up if they went there because there wasn't a natural race to go in between to the Breeders' Cup. They could have skipped the Travers, gone to Pennsylvania Derby, collected $2 million in appearance fees and you know, ran against nobody and won another $2 million. But they did it. And they came to Saratoga, a track Bob didn't like, didn't have much success on. And the Friday morning before the race, 20,000 people show up there at 7.30 in the morning just to see this horse gallop around twice. And it was the most amazing thing. And I was standing next to Bob during the whole thing, and he was kind of watching his horse, and he was watching the crowd. And he basically said to me then that this is the best moment in my career. You know, we all know what happens the next day. He runs gamely and gets beat by keen ice after holding off frosted. And to me, that's sort of the poetic justice. It is the graveyard of the champions. The firm got beat there. Secretariat got beat there. You know, everybody gets beat up there. So it kept its <laughs> reputation. And if you have to lose, American Pharaoh lost gallantly. Sad to say, Joe, I was there for both Secretariat and Affirmed, and I've got photos to prove it. But uh, uh, I know you mentioned some guys that I knew way back in the day, uh, the, the McCathin brothers, and what a great job they did with this horse. It, it's, I can't wait to get my hands on, on the hardcover, and I'm sure after listening to you, Joe Drape, so do our listeners. Where do we go to get the book? It's a great Father's Day gift for right now, and we can go to Barnes & Noble, we can go to Amazon, we can go to your local bookseller. Uh, you know, it's the New York Times bestseller right now, which I'm very pleased about and proud, and it, I owe it all to the people out there reading it, and all the people who actually follow horse racing and knew this story and wanted to know more about it. 
Well, I, I can, from what I've read, I can highly recommend the book, but I can't wait to go from uh, flag fall to that's all, cover to cover. Joe Drake, author of American Pharaoh, the untold story of the Triple Crown winner's legendary rise. Thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies, Joe. John, thanks for having me, and thanks for your support. Okay, well, that was Joe Drape. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to break down all the great action that's going to happen at Churchill Downs this week. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right. Well, I've got to give you a little bit of a backstory to how I uh, met our next guest, Gary Palmisano. Uh, I was invited to be part of a handicapping panel on Derby Week for Second Stride, uh, the uh, racehorse adoption program. And uh, we went to Molly Malone's in Louisville, and I looked down at the people I was going to be handicapping with, and it was Kate and Brader, Byron King, and then I saw Gary Palmisano. I'm like, God, I haven't seen Gary for like 20 years down in New Orleans when we were at a Turf Publicist Award banquet, and I was kind of psyched about you know seeing him again, you know. And so I show up, and there's Kate and Brader, there's Byron King, and there's this young kid. I introduced myself. He says, I'm Gary Palmisano. Well, I had to put two and two together. Turns out that it's Gary Palmisano's son, uh, 28 years old. I was born in New Orleans, went to uh, U of L. Uh, Then he kind of worked his way uh, through the uh, equine business and and marketing program, started as an intern at Churchill, 
went back down to the fairgrounds in his hometown, uh, kind of shadowed all the main people down there in every department, and then came back to Louisville as the VIP player services manager for Churchill Downs Racetrack and TwinSpires.com. That's what he's doing today, except for right now. He's spending time with us on Winning Ponies. Gary, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Thank you for that awesome introduction. Well, no, no problem. Well, I, I guess uh, you know uh, we don't we don't have to scratch our head too much and how you got introduced to the love of racing. No, I absolutely was with the horse bug at a very early age. Um, growing up on the backside at fairgrounds, uh, obviously my dad being a trainer and not really just any trainer, but a trainer for the family that owned the place, uh, the Krantz family. So I was afforded a lot of opportunities growing up to meet a bunch of people and follow around kind of the who's who of, of the track at that time. And it was just a tremendous experience that I'm super grateful for. And it's put me on a great path uh, to where I'm at today. Yeah, I met your uh, father through uh, Glenn Gremion, who handled all the uh, the video down there. And I must say, I think we've been to a crawfish boil or two over the years. So uh, a, a Great guy, excellent trainer, and uh, now his son taking a slightly different uh, path. I kind of uh, painted with a broad brush your uh, entrance into racing. Uh, what's it uh, entail being the VIP player services manager? Um, so my role is uh, basically to take care of any of our high-dollar wagers here at Churchill Downs and for TwinSpires.com. So TwinSpires.com being the ADW around the country, Anyone who wagers big on there, obviously derby tickets are a huge perk to them, and I kind of coordinate their trips to Louisville and set them up with tickets and put them in a good spot, as well as uh, my local folks who come out to the track every day. Obviously, Louisville is a great market. A lot of horse players that like to put up some money, so I have quite a few VIPs here locally, and then once derby rolls around, I get uh, all the folks coming in from out of town for TwinSpires.com. So it, it absolutely keeps me busy, but I enjoy it because I always meet a bunch of new people that are just so overjoyed to come to the derby and check out Church of Allen. So it's a, it's a good job for sure. Well, uh, it looks like the joint will be jumping down there at Churchill Downs on Saturday night. Uh, I won't be there in person, but I will be uh, watching on my Twin Spires account, and I'll be uh, dressed in white, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah, the white party theme, it's always a really a fun night here. Um, Ever since they moved the Stephen Foster card to night racing, it's just kind of kicked up the energy level. Uh, that much more with 25 to 30,000 people out here uh, with a great atmosphere. And um, it really, really is a fun night and a great race card kind of to, to go hand-in-hand with it. So we're really excited about Saturday night. Well, and also you're going to give the chance to the fans to uh, to see a multiple horse of the year. used to be called the Firecracker. Now it's called the Wise Dan, and Wise Dan's going to make a personal appearance, I understand. Yes, he is. You know, we're very fortunate that Wise Den is just right down the road here in Kentucky. So uh, he's a super well-liked horse here, and not only here, but around the country. So we're just thankful that his connections were able to bring him back. And he's won this race multiple times, and it's only fitting that we're able to name this race the Wise Den, and it'll be great having him on site. Last year on this night, we had Pharaoh, and, and he drew quite a few folks. And, I, you know, I don't know if Wise Den will draw that many, but in Kentucky, he's the He's the man, so we're happy to have him. 
Well, I was down there for Pharaoh, sorry to say. Again, I won't be able to make it on Saturday, but man, what a card you've got. We are talking five graded stakes races. Um, what's going to be the wagering uh, format, can I tell our audience? Uh, well, I mean, we have the multitude of pick fours and pick fives and pick sixes. Obviously, our pick six jackpot carryover is approaching $600,000. Really is a good bet, uh, given that 90% of the pools paid out each day. So it's averaging about a $10,000 payout for 20 cents. And you also have the ability to take down the whole 600K should you be the only winning ticket. So if you like a few price horses over the course of the card and maybe you can find one or two singles, that might be a good play because it really is averaging quite a high payout. Well, what do you say we give our Winning Ponies audience uh, a a look into the card and uh, the uh, handicapping skills that you have developed over the years? I got exposed to them down at Molly Malone's that night. And let's start with the big one, Uh, the Stephen Foster Grade 1, half a million dollars up for grabs. It's a win in your end. You get to go to the Breeders' Cup Classic if you're still around. If you you win this race and... uh, in my opinion, I don't have any odds in front of me, but i got to think that uh, uh, that FNX, a uh, horse that's only raced at Churchill once, but it happened to be a win in the grade one Clark handicap at a mile and an eighth, uh, Saturday's distance, um, is the one to beat. This horse ships very well. Uh, James Jerkins, outstanding trainer. Uh, the horse has won over $2.6 million. He's a five-year-old. That's when a... a Thoroughbred horses at its peak. He looks like uh, he's certainly the one to beat, and it looks like I think maybe Majestic Harbor might be best at a mile on the 16th, though I love his connections. Uh, Paul McGee, I'm good friends with his brother Marty. And uh, Eagle, um, good friends with Brian Hernandez, uh, who I saw a release that came out of Churchill earlier today that he's on a slew of live cards, uh, live horses on this five race uh, stakes program. So with that uh, being painted, uh, your opinion? Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, FNX is the even money morning line favorite. He absolutely looks like the horse to beat for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, I think the key horse in here that changes the whole race is actually Braidster. I think him being entered in this race really is going to put Majestic Harbor under pressure for most of the early part of the race. And honestly, FNX is probably going to sit a perfect trip. Um, I also think Eagle, who's run well over this track um, and is a, a mile and an eighth winner, uh, might be right off of FNX, and I think it'll be one of them two dueling it out. Uh, Majestic Harbor is such a cool older horse, but I just feel with Braidster being in the race um, that there might be a little bit too quick of an early pace, and as you mentioned, I'm not 100% sold that a mile and an eighth is the, the distance for Majestic Harbor. So I, I think FNX or Eagle whichever one of those kind of kick on late is, is going to be the horse, but FNX will be absolutely tough to beat. Interesting that uh, Gary Stevens, who elected to stay in the Bluegrass Stakes, is going to be uh, riding FNX rather than Mike Smith. Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Songbird popped up in the entry box that weekend, and so Mike Smith obviously took that commitment. Um, I think she's running over in California, so travel couldn't work out for Mike, but... Not bad. Not a bad pickup when you can pick up Gary Stevens kind of on the last minute. So uh, it's been great having Gary Stevens here, and, and he obviously brings a ton of class to the jocks room here. That's already a pretty star-studded jocks room, so it's been great to have him all meet. 
Well, you would think with the money Mike could potentially make uh, in the Stephen Foster that he could uh, charter a private jet to get him back to Songbird, but (laughs) who am I to to judge? Exactly. uh, uh, A couple minutes to the break, but I don't think there's... uh, uh, a whole lot to uh, talk about the the, the fleur de lis, other than uh, untappable hot chocolate, and the hometown guy Bernie Flint with Brooklyn's Way. It's like all of a sudden Bernie's like reemerged on the scene, and within just a couple of months, uh, you know he he you hadn't heard much of him, and then all of a sudden he's winning graded stakes races. Uh, uh, I've known Bernie for many many years. It would be neat, but uh, the question is untappable apparently is no longer unbeatable, but she absolutely loves Churchill Downs, has never lost a race here. But, ah, Chocolate could be the now horse, uh, you know, just just beat uh, Diogeny, I don't know how you pronounce it, who came back and won a stakes at Belmont Day. So uh, outside of those three, uh, who do you like? I uh, know. I mean, I definitely think Odd Chocolate at the mile and an eighth is is a, a horse that is improving and a horse that's getting better and better. You know, Neil Howard is so good at bringing these horses along. Same thing with Eagle. He's just really taking his time and really placed the horse in the right spot. Um, I'm just wondering if the 111 and four work for Untappable didn't tip the hand for Asmussen that she just really is that much better at this track and. And hopefully we see the untappable of old, and, and hopefully that she, she gets back on a winning way here. But I certainly agree with you that Odd Chocolate is the horse. It's untappable. doesn't get it done. And 100% agree. Couldn't be happier for Bernie Flint, who is kind of having a resurgence in a career that's been filled with nothing but winners over the course of his career here, and, and particularly at Churchill Downs. So great to see him having some success. Obviously, that horse ran well after stumbling at the start last time, but I think it's a two-horse race here as well. Well, yeah, and, and you, know what, you know what I love is I, I love the sportsmanship of the Winchells, uh, you know, with Untappable being a five-year-old mare. Hell, they could have retired her after a three-year-old season, and she'd still be just as valuable. But now, now with the earner, she's closing in on $4 million. Not that the Winchells need the money, but I, I love to see you know your, your beholders and Untappables, horses at the top of their game that are kept in training. So, And I also love the angle, bullet work, two back. I like the bullet work, the maintenance work, Let's face it, uh, Steve Asmussen knows how to win the big one. So it would be cool to see Untappable uh, return to her days of old, but also be cool to see uh, both Brian Hernandez and, and Neil Howard to, uh, to take it down with Ah Chocolate. Well, my producer's telling me I need to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to try to get our teeth into a couple of other graded stakes races down at Churchill Downs. We're with Gary Palmasano from Churchill Downs and Twin Spires. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Gary Palmasano. There's a lot of things I like about this guy, but I'll be honest with you, Gary. One thing I like is your age. You're 28 years old. Are you finding it a challenge or a pleasure to bring people, I guess you're called a millennial, um, into the game? Because there's too many guys that look like me and more guys that look like you and my 28-year-old son that we need to get to the races. Yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, I have quite a few friends that obviously working here at Churchill has helped me to be able to get them in and and teach them and bring them into the paddock and just try to educate them as much as possible. Um, You know, it is, as you mentioned, it is an older generation, especially the guys that I deal with on a day-in and day-out basis that are considered VIP players. But um, I'm confident that the next generation, as soon as our disposable income picks up a little bit, uh, we'll have no problem continuing on. All right, well, you're doing a great job down there. Well, let's see how many races we can get in in the next uh, seven minutes. Um, the Wise Dan, uh, grade two, of course, I want to remind everybody that the Wise Dan, the horse, will be in the paddock while the race is being run. They want to get down there and take some photos. Um, here's the question that I have. Big fan of the pizza man. Um, he's coming in off a four-month layoff. According to... Roger Brugerman, he says he dislikes the Gulfstream Park turf course because he put in a very unlikely pizza man race in his seasonal debut. He worked a bullet over the Churchill Downs turf. This race, a mile and a 16th, this horse loves it. Ten starts, eight wins, and a second. And uh, my, my question about the pizza man, the other horse I like is Thatcher Street, is there's not a whole lot to run at in here. Now, Thatcher Street seems to have a little more early push, obviously, and might be able to sit off whatever pace there is. And, boy, talk about a horse that's always there. You know, you look at Thatcher Street's running line. Again, a hot horse for Brian Hernandez. Um, I think that, in my opinion, he's going to be the, the biggest competition for Pizza Man if the real Pizza Man delivers, as everyone says in their headlines. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. That you're exactly spot on on the trip that Pizza Man's going to get. He will drop out of it 
quite a bit. Then the two holes going to automatically put him on the fence. I'm very happy to see Florent Giroux uh, matched back up with him. I think he really understands that horse and might be able to time his run a little bit better, um, especially at the mile and a 16th distance. But, you know, I'm, I'm under the impression that somebody might be able to steal it. Trying to figure out who that's going to be is, is going to be tough. Maybe the eight for Phil Sims, Flavin, uh, or maybe even Zah Approval gets a little bit better trip. But if, if, the, if it does come down to a closer, I think uh, Thatcher Street and the Pizza Man will be running. But I'm like you. I'm skeptical of the early pace. Uh, I just don't think there's a whole, whole lot of speed in here. And there could be somebody that um, kind of sends out of there that might get the upper hand. Yeah, those are the two, Zah Approval and uh, Pluvian, the French bread that, uh, you know, that seem to have the speed you need. That's kind of why I like Thatcher Street a little bit, because unlike the Pizza Man, I do think that he can maybe stalk those two a a little bit more. It it makes for a very interesting race to handicap, and I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Well, let's go uh, with the, uh, the Regret, a grade three race. Uh, interesting uh, group of uh, fillies, three-year-olds that are being brought together. Four of these horses are coming in out of the hilltop, a $100,000 race at, at Pimlico. Uh, but again, I brought up Brian Hernandez, and I will again. This Auntie Joy, you know, they say you're judged by the company you keep. And for anybody that can run with Catch a Glimpse, who's like the hottest in her division right now, you've got to give this horse uh, a really good second look. Yes, absolutely. And her race here, first time out, was incredibly impressive over the turf. It was one of those, what is that Uncle Mo forestry doing out there going a mile and a 16th first time out? And uh, she answered every question along the way. Uh, certainly a very nice filly. Um, if I had to pick one in there, I'll tell you, I was really impressed with Wessex's um, effort in the hilltop for Bill Mott. Coming right out of a maiden race, the step up into the 13-hole she got hung extremely wide on both turns, was very, very game. I thought that was a really impressive race straight out of a maiden a maiden win, and, and I really thought that she could be the improving type, that at 6-1 to one, might break the chalk fest up a little bit uh, here in the late gimmicks, uh, but I just thought that was a big effort. Yeah, it really was, and I'm a big uh, Bill Mott fan. Uh, Kind of an angle horse that I'm looking at uh, in here, uh, we're talking with Gary Palmasano, is Try Your Luck. Now, uh, Gary Stevens is elected to stay with this horse. It's had one start over the Churchill Downs turf. Remember, these are three-year-old fillies, already won at a mile and eighth on the turf. And if you look at this horse, they obviously knew it was a grass horse. Mike Maker trains. It's a looking at Lucky. Uh, five starts on the turf, two wins, a second, two-thirds. And uh, if you're a fan of the buyer figures, this horse could be very dangerous. Hasn't won a stakes yet or even competed in one, but uh, might have been an extremely sharp claim by Mike Maker. Uh, Try Your Luck uh, is a sleeper in there, and certainly you can't knock the horse that won the hilltop gone away. Again, Florent Giroux is in a zone right now. Yeah, on the grass, I think he's one of the premier uh, turf riders. And obviously Julian Leperu, who rides Noble Beauty for Chad Brown. Not often we see many Chad Brown horses shipped down here. So uh, they may have been eyeing this spot for this three-year-old filly by Kid and Joy. Uh, those two guys excel on the grass, and they ride this course extremely well. Um, and there is no way you can not go on away. Ran an absolutely huge race in the hilltop. And, um, you know, the horse 
City, speaking of for Maker, that horse had the light turn on a few races back with Lannery. That was a super impressive effort. So that could be a situation where she's just getting really good right now and kind of found her, her, her niche or her zone. And, you know, she absolutely, if she shows speed like she did here two back at Keeneland, she might get a perfect trip. All right, Gary Palmasano, I don't know if it's uh, like around you, but everybody, as we were going down the Triple Crown Trail, we're going, where's Gunrunner? Where's Gunrunner? You know, ran a solid third in the Kentucky Derby after, you know, setting the pace. And now we found out that Gunrunner is going to be in the grade three, Matt Wynn, the fifth race at Churchill on Saturday. Definitely the one to beat. Yeah, he was my derby pick, as you know. When we were at Molly Malone's, I was all in on him, and he, he didn't disappoint too much. He ran a very good race. I don't know if Asmussen thought the mile and a half for Creator. Obviously, that worked out extremely well for them. But, you know, I don't know Gunrunner's kind of distance limitations, so maybe that had something to do with their plan here to kind of come back at the mile and a 16th and give him a little break. But he's absolutely the horse to beat. <clears throat> Yeah, with, with, without a doubt. Well, uh, Gary Palmasano, I hope this is not the last time we get you on the show. Uh, I always like to get kind of Louisville-based guys uh, when we come with some of the big races at Churchill. Uh, greatly appreciate you being with us on Winning Ponies and for all the work you do recruiting young bloods to racing. Uh, happy to do it. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure to join you. We'll most certainly do it again. I'm looking forward to it. We've been talking with Gary Palmasano, who is the VIP Player Services Manager for Churchill Downs Racetrack and TwinSpires.com. And I really have to thank uh, Joe Drape from the New York Times, who did an outstanding job in penning American Pharaoh, the untold story of the Triple Crown winner's legendary rise. You heard his interview. You can tell he's got great insight into the horse and all the people surrounded by it. So, we're coming up on, on big, big Churchill Downs Saturday night. Make sure you go to winningponies.com. Pull down your easy win forms. We've been knocking them out of the park. Well, that pretty much closes out the show. I'm looking out the press box window over the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I want to remind you all, when you do go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.